0: You're listening to episode 10 of the Floxy Hope Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Floxy Hope Podcast. My name is Lisa Bloomquist, and I am your host. Today, our guest is Ariel. Thank you so much for joining us, Ariel. Thank you for having me. Um, so, can you tell our Floxy Hope audience just
1: a little bit about yourself, your
0: elevator speech? Who are you? <laughs>
1: Yes, I can. My name is Ariel. Um, I'm 28 years old. I live in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I'm married. I have a five-year-old son and uh, I work in healthcare. I have a little dog. <laughs> um, yeah. F- fabulous. And uh, when did
0: you get floxed? And can you tell us a little bit more about how you got
1: floxed and what happened? Yeah, um I got floxed in July of 2014. Um I took three days of ciprofloxin for a UTI and um my symptoms started um a couple days after that. A I, couple of days after the first pill or a couple of days after you finished? After I finished. Like I didn't have any symptoms. Unfortunately, I didn't have any symptoms while I was taking them. Um I didn't even feel funny. Like I just started to have symptoms. I think it was like three or four days after that. And what were your symptoms? Uh, well, you know, it wasn't all at once. It was like one thing after another. My first symptom was, um, I had hair changes. My hair got darker and changed texture. And then I had really bad gas and, um, like some, feelings of like water running down my legs and like my calves were going to burst and then some really bad gi issues and abdominal pain was the first stuff and then after that um wasn't oh sorry
0: and and when you say sorry the the when you say the first stuff what what time frame are you
1: are you mean uh this was like uh maybe Few days after I started, I, I had the hair issues and the leg stuff where it felt like my calves were gonna explode. And then I started having the GI issues and gas like a few days later after that. Um and then about a week after that my heart rate started to go up. And then I had uh, developed the severe insomnia that so many phloxies know all too well. And um and then I started to have some skin changes, like skin shedding and, um, like my skin became thinner and like darker is the only way, the way I describe it is like, it's like an aged 15 years. Um, it just, it was a different color. Like my skin's a little more yellow now. Um, I've always been very pale and, um, it was just very, very bizarre. And then, you know, uh, new symptoms would pop up like tooth pain um, and some of the, you know, just little things would continue to pop up after a few months and then severe anxiety and, um, to the point of like psychosis where it was just having really, really dark thoughts. And, um, it was just pretty much debilitating along with the insomnia. Um, the insomnia was... At first it was like I'd get like an hour or two of sleep a night and then it kind of got to a place where I was getting five or six hours and now it kind of waxes and wanes between, um, I can get, I can't sleep more than six hours at a time generally. Um, and some nights I won't be able to sleep very well at all, but it's gotten a little better. So, um, does,
0: does anything seem to help the insomnia?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, when it first started, I like, I did all the wrong things at first, you know, I took sleeping pills and I took Adaman. um, because I wasn't really, I was aware of cipro poisoning, but I wasn't, I didn't really want to admit to myself that that's what was happening because I was in denial. I I couldn't believe that that's what was happening. And I had always been a believer of Western medicine. So it was kind of like, I took over the counter sleeping pills and Benadryl didn't seem to help. Ativan was the only thing that could get me to sleep. And then eventually I decided I was going to stop all sleeping pills. And the things that seemed to help were, um, after that, were deep breathing and um, yoga and, um, like, getting outside when it was sunny, which isn't very often in the Pacific Northwest, but <laughs> I would try. Um, but... Uh, you know, it just, it's, it's kind of strange. It's, it doesn't, there's not one thing that was like a magic bullet with sleep. It just seems to kind of wax and wane for me. Sure. Sure.
0: When, when you mentioned that, um, that you were kind of in denial and, uh, mm-hmm. about the ciprofloxacin poisoning, like it's, it's totally understandable. It's just absurd that this would happen. That, right. That, that, a a prescription antibiotic I mean like I think that we all have some sort of a notion of of what antibiotics do and what the potential side effects from from antibiotics could be and having debilitating insomnia and anxiety and feeling like you've aged 15 years in a matter of a couple of months isn't really on the list of things that that should be possible and no. and that we and that we think of as as possible uh, as a side effect of an of an antibiotic. So Right. So since since you were you you mentioned you were in in denial a little bit. Like how did you how did you find out that it was the the cipro and and that that you were floxed?
1: Well, I mean, I it was a long process. There was it was probably 3 or 4 months. I mean, I'm 7 or 8 months out now. It was a good three or four months before I really accepted that. Um, I think it was, I, I had done so many tests, and like I said before, I, I, you know, I, I just wasn't really sure. And I was, I was raised by nurses, so I was like, this can't couldn't have happened, and because I was all about Western medicine, um, and I had. I have a genetic disease in my family. So I thought maybe I was having some issue with the genetic disease, like a side effect of that. And just test after test after test was coming back saying I was normal. Like there was nothing wrong with me. Um, I mean, everything was coming back normal, like across the board. And I just started researching more on Cipro poisoning and um, looking at my symptoms and looking at everyone else's and going, this is what happened to me. I mean, I can't, you know, be a hundred percent sure, but as close to a hundred percent sure as I can be, I mean, there's just, there's no other explanation for it, like for the symptoms. And it's too much of a coincidence that they're so similar to so many other people.
0: Right. You know. and it's almost like when all of the tests say that you're normal and are within the normal range, that's almost like that's the diagnostic tool for sure. for fluoroquinolone toxicity. And and I know that some people do have tests that are that are outside of of normal ranges, and and that and that can certainly happen too. But when when everything is going wrong and it's like a bomb has gone off in your body, but all of the tests come back normal. It, that that seems that seems to be very typical that that's certainly yes. what happened to me and sounds like what happened to you as well
1: yeah I think my the way what happened to me was very similar to what happened to you but like a lot worse <laughs> just because sure. I, I mean not a lot worse I don't mean like that but it just seems like any of the side effects that you could have from um a quinolone toxicity I've had like, you name it, I've had it, things that are embarrassing. And one of the worst things besides the insomnia was um, just the anxiety, the psychosis that developed um, because I was an anxious person before. And I think for people that are prone to anxiety to be given this drug, it's, it's criminal. Like, it's just because it is a side effect of this drug to have toxic psychosis and I mean, that was awful because you have all these things happening to you and you feel like you're going crazy because people are telling you there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. This is just anxiety. This is just depression. And it's not. I've had anxiety before. You know, I know what that feels like.
0: And and people often treat mental mental illness and, and mental symptoms as if they're a choice, as if you could just like decide that, that, oh, I'm just not going to be anxious anymore. I'm not going to have these, these psychotic thoughts anymore. And, and I, I certainly didn't realize until after I got floxed that that's just completely impossible. Your, your brain gets somewhat taken over and, and it doesn't, and, and a choice is the furthest thing in the world from, from, What's going on? The anxiety just kind of takes over, and the and these thoughts just kind of come out of nowhere. Um, thoughts that I, I, I certainly had some thoughts that you know not very proud of, uh, right. like some things that some things that like I, I go now like oh, I thought that that's that's not okay. Right. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah. And as a mother, like I'm a mother to a five-year-old, some of the things that I was thinking and the things that I was feeling like doing were not like the, you know, I have always considered myself to be a really good mom and I do everything I can to be, to make that my priority. And it was like everything that was me was not there and I, I couldn't get to it. I felt like I was underwater and I was, and I think this is the deep too, like just feeling, uh, you know, like you can't connect with anything. And, um, and that's, and, and that's just on top of everything else, you know, it's just really incredibly hard to deal with. I don't know of a good way to deal with that, you know, with, with all the other symptoms. Um, you just have to en- endure it and try your best to, to get through it. I think um, and stay calm, you know, and, and try to, to, to connect to the things that make you, you, because I kind of let all of that go. I just stopped doing all the things that make me, me and the things that I would enjoy. And yeah.
0: And, and did you find that starting those things up again made you feel better? Is that what Um, I should read into
1: or? (laughs) Yeah, I think that, um, I think that making yourself do things that you know you used to enjoy, like I almost had, to, I had to sit down and like write down like the things that I that made me me that I like to do, and I didn't want to do them. Like I used to love to draw, you know. I have an art degree, and I used to love to draw, and I completely stopped doing that, and so I had to force myself to start drawing again, and I didn't want to do it. Like I had no desire to do anything because. I just had no motivation. Like I I really thought that I was going to die. And I think in some way I was kind of like preparing for that. Like if I don't do any of the things that make my life worth living, then if I do die, it's like, you know, I'm not losing much. And that's just, that's the kind of dark, dark thought process that I was having. Um, so yeah, I started to draw again. I started to, you know, try to interact with my son again, um, because, you know, I totally for a couple months just did not, I couldn't be a parent. And that was the really most awful thing that came out of it, was um, the inability to to take care of my responsibilities to my son, you know. Um, and it's just crazy to think that three days of an antibiotic could, could devastate a family that much. Um, but... I had to really make the decision to like, I'm going to try my best to have a life with all these symptoms, with the debilitating insomnia and with the physical changes and the, the the pain and the face burning and the the tooth pain and the hair loss and the all of it, the anxiety. I'm just I have to fight for my life because it's worth fighting for, even with all of those things. I just got chills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your life is is worth
0: fighting for. And and it's a it's a shame to get knocked down to like really have that like just deep realization that like no no no, I'm not going out out without a fight. Like right. I'm 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 going to I'm I'm going to bring it. Like and and I'm going to fight as hard as I as hard as I can to make this this life continue and to make it worth worth living. I think that that's really, that's really powerful. And, um, you know, no one wants to get to a point where like you have to make that decision because, you know, people are on autopilot making their life just fine until at at least, you know, most people, most people are until you get knocked down. Getting knocked down is what makes you really have to make that decision.
1: Yeah. It's like you're backed in a corner. That's what I felt like. I felt like Multi symptom things. It wasn't like one thing that was making my life hard. It was like everything, everything. And I really felt backed in a corner with the mental stuff and the physical stuff. And I, w- I just had a feeling like I got this feeling that like this isn't it for me. Like I need to, to push through this because this isn't it, you know? And so I think that's what kind of snapped me out of the depression was um really realizing like this is not the end you know so and i think that's important you know it's an important thing for people to to realize is that you know they can keep going you can endure amazing things like your you can get through your mind and your body can endure so much and they can get better and they can heal um yeah um, um, absolutely like were there any
0: tools that helped your your anxiety in the depression and and just all of your all of your symptoms the things that really facilitated that attitude shift where you were able to to say like okay well I haven't slept (laughs) and everything hurts and I look 10 years older than I than I am but but I but I am going to keep going and like like just having that mental shift is really is is really powerful but Mm -hmm. like were there some tools that helped you like I know meditation and acupuncture really helped me to get to that place
1: yeah I um I started seeing an acupuncturist who um has helped me and um Also, you know, reading a lot of books, I read a lot, and I I read a lot of books about people enduring really awful things, um, because weirdly, I kind of identified a lot with like burn victims and people that have been deformed, because, you know, you you have this physical change and, you know, it's it's hard to, you don't recognize yourself in the mirror um, because of these changes that happen overnight. Because these things did seem to happen overnight for me. And um, so I read a lot of books about people that have gone through things and how they kind of found themselves again, you know, what they did. And you have to develop a really strong, really intense inner strength. And I didn't really have that before I got flocks. Like, I I leaned on other people a lot for inner strength or for strength in general. And um, so reading other people's stories, acupuncture... Forcing myself to do the things that I used to do, like drawing and walking and and forcing myself to engage with people, even though I felt really self-conscious and depressed, like forcing myself to spend time with family and forcing myself to talk to friends um, and seeing that I could still do that um, was really, I think, crucial and accepting accepting what had happened because I think that I spent a lot of time ruminating about how things could have gone differently. Like I shouldn't have taken those pills or if I would have just taken two instead of six, things might not be so bad. Or if I wouldn't have taken the Ativan, maybe things wouldn't have been so bad, you know, just kind of choosing not to think like that. Um, And to, you know, you're moving on now. It's time to move on. You're, you're still here. Like, and every time I would have a thought about, um, how things could have gone differently or being upset, just forcing myself to stop thinking that has been incredibly helpful for me.
0: I, I think that that's wonderful advice. Yeah. I, 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 really, I really do. And, and it's, it's been a couple, couple years now for me that, that I was, that I was at that point, but just like those, those shifts. And, and just kind of going like, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to find that inner strength. And, um, and, and I, I remember those moments of, of kind of surrendering and acceptance and they gave me strength. And, and I I hope that people don't hear acceptance and go, oh, that's, that's the same as giving up because it's not the same as giving up. It's, it's letting, it's getting to a point where you can move forward.
1: Right. I mean, I'm actually, since I've kind of accepted, cause I'm still, you know, it wasn't that long ago really that at all that I was in a really dark place. Um, and I think that, you know, now that I've kind of accepted, like, this is my situation, you know, yes, it's been, it's been awful, but I can think more clearly and I can kind of, look at what is available to me to try and get better and not feel as overwhelmed. You know, um, I can explore those things without feeling like I don't know what to take. I don't know what to do. Cause that's, that's what would happen to me. You know, I would kind of explore everything and there's so many different things that people say helped them. I think it can be really overwhelming. And if you accept the situation that you're in and, um, for some reason it seems to make it easier to kind of figure out what you need to do to heal at least it did for me
0: I, I agree and and when people people can really unfortunately kind of flail if they yes. if they try to do everything at once and yeah. and just try to fight and, and I went through like a period of just fighting and just resisting and resisting. And I think that most most of us do. Oh just, yeah. And, and and fighting has its it has its good things. Except I, I think that there's more strength in acceptance. Yeah. Um, and, and it and it feels you you can approach the world from a point of view of of. Just where you are. <laughs> once once you've kind of gone like, okay, well, this is where I am now and I accept this and it is what it is. And now I can figure out a path forward instead of trying to, to just fight your way back.
1: Right. I mean, I am not going to be, even if I do get to 100% someday, you know, because I, you know, I'm not ruling that out. Like it's only been seven or eight months. I mean, but... I think, you know, I said, even if I got to, like, 50%, like, I'm physically, I'm mentally, I'm a totally different person. And this has all happened in a really short period of time. But um, I think that you can't, when you have something really traumatic happen, you can't go back to what you were. It's just not possible. And you can mourn it, and you can, you know, I think you should mourn it. But it doesn't mean that where you're going to be at later is bad like I really feel like a strong mentally like a stronger person now um so and I don't think I would have gotten to that place if this hadn't happened it's made me grow up in a lot of ways um and I think that you know that's a good thing so um that's something that has come out of this you know um and it's made me appreciate moments more um, with my son, with my family. I'm not always thinking about the next thing. I think we have a tendency in society, our society to always, like, what's the next thing? I want this. I want, want, want. And instead of just really, like, you know, experiencing the moments you have with your friends and family and um, appreciating them, you know. And I didn't do that, and now I do. <laughs> so... I think, and and that can be a really beautiful thing.
0: And I'm I'm sure that that will enhance your relationships.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it has, and, you know, and I think that it's important for people to see that, like, even when you're going through the worst of these symptoms, because I still have a lot of these symptoms, um, you can still have a beautiful life while you're trying to figure out how to get back to health. Um, it, it's possible because I'm I'm doing it right now, so um.
0: yeah, which is which is phenomenal, and I th- I think you're you're very wise, um, and just just sharing a lot of a lot of wisdom, which I, I really appreciate, and I'm sure that people who are who are listening will will also appreciate it. Um, how like you? How has this affected your family? Ah,
1: um, <laughs> it's been, you know, I'm not going to be a Pollyanna about it. It's been awful. Um, it's amazing that just taking three days worth of antibiotics could, could, you know, because when you have something like this happen to a person, it, it's like an earthquake. It sends out waves to everybody around you that's connected to you. Um, so, you know, it's changed my relationship with my husband. Um, I think he, you know, basically had to take care of me for months, um, because I was just flailing. Um, now I think we're in a lot of ways, we're closer because we've gone through this. Um, and, you know, it's my, my parents also, you know, it's, um, It was terrifying for them because I've never, and because they're nurses, I think that they approached it with a lot of, you know, they didn't really believe they were in denial too. And I think that they're still kind of, you know, in denial about that. And I think that that's another frustrating thing for people about ciprofloxin poisoning or quinolone poisoning is that, you know, some people don't believe you, but that doesn't mean that they don't love you. I mean, I'm very lucky. I have lots of people in my life that love me and they were there to support me. And even if they don't totally understand what's happened or anything, they, you know, they love me and they just want me to get better. And I think you kind of have to meet them halfway with that. And that's where I've met my parents with, you know, all this stuff is like, you know, they don't really understand what I'm going through, but um, they love me and I love them. And so it's changed my relationship with them because I've changed and, and they're kind of confused by that, but that doesn't mean that, you know, they don't love me. And it's actually made me more, um, you know, like I tell my family, I love them more than I used to because, um, I'm grateful. Like I'm grateful that, um, to have them when you're going through something like this, it's, it's, um, it's really important to have people around you that, that love you and are just there to support you. Um, but for many months it was, it was very traumatizing for, for everyone in my family. Um, so I'm just glad that things have kind of stabilized now.
0: Right. And that things have, have calmed down a bit. So, so have have there been some things that have helped, or what what has helped you what has hurt you? can you, can you go through just a little bit of advice? Uh, well, you've, you've given lots and lots of advice, but
1: (laughs) just some advice on what's, what's helped and what's, what's hurt. Um, yeah. Um, so when this first started or when I kind of accepted that like, yes, I have cypro poisoning, um, I tried to do a lot of the supplements that people talk about doing like the magnesium and, um, was it, what else? Vitamin D, Um, I've done so many supplements, I've, I've tried so many things and I actually either didn't notice any difference with a lot of them, or I noticed that they made things a little worse. Like I'd take something and my sleep would get worse or I would, you know, have more GI issues. Um, so supplements didn't really seem to do much for me. Um, the things that seemed to really help me were, um, like acupuncture has helped, um, with some of the pain and the insomnia, um, positive thinking, like getting my stress under control, because I think that for some reason, the being more anxious I was, you know, the worse my symptoms were. I mean, I think there's a big body mind connection there
0: and I don't, so. I I totally agree that there's a body mind connection. And I think that there's also, um, some Chemical explanations for it too, like your your body can't process the cortisol well right. enough, and 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 I haven't I haven't gone too far down that rabbit hole as far as doing research, except uh, from from a couple of things that I've read. Your your cells are trying to metabolize hormones through the same through your CYP four um, fifty pathways, just like just like they're trying to. To metabolize drugs through those pathways, and when mm-hmm. they get blocked and messed up by something like ciprotoxicity, then uh, or fluoroquinolone toxicity, then then you have trouble handling anxiety hormones as well. So you know, I, I think that that's. That's a totally Reader's Digest version, but uh, and, you know, some, someone, someone scientific could could leave a comment the, the and say, scientists say, could say, it. say, no, Lisa, you're you're totally off. But uh, <laughs> but but I I have read a few things about about that, and yeah, I think that there's that there is a lot going on physically when you're experiencing anxiety too, like it's, it is mental as well. And there is the body and mind connection, except there's, there's a lot to it. And it's certainly the furthest thing in the world from a choice.
1: Right. And I think that, you know, I basically had six months, five or six months of just every day was a crisis. So I'm sure that like that contributed to the worsening symptoms. And now that I've kind of calmed down and stabilized, it's kind of, um, I don't know if symptoms have gotten better. I think some of them have. I think it's also just that I'm dealing with them more. Um, Some of the things that I've just started or I'm just starting to do are um, I'm going to try, I know some people have had some success with changing their diet. Before this, I was a vegetarian. I didn't eat meat for 16 years. Now I eat meat and I'm going to try to cut out like carbs and or not carbs, grains and sugar for a little while. And I'm also going to start doing some of the oil therapy. It seems like there are like a group of floxies that have had great success with some of the oil therapies rather than um, the supplements. And I'm not sure why that is, but I think, well, maybe, you know, maybe that's a, the direction for me because I have trouble processing the supplements and I don't know if that's related to gut issues or what, but I'm I'm just now starting that. So, um, it's, it's a process.
0: (laughs) Right. And I hope it works well for you. Um, just different people are, totally different there there doesn't seem to be a one-size-fits-all type of type of thing that helps like the thing that I recommend to most people is magnesium and shoot magnesium supplements didn't seem to help you so so yeah I hope that the uh that the
1: oil therapies and the diet changes help yeah I do too I think you know um and I'm hopeful I I feel because there's been a lot of um really promising stuff, but I've read about, um, how well they work, but you know what, even if they don't work, like, um, I kind of feel like I can, um, handle this stuff. Like I can have a life, um, with what I've got. It's, it's a lot. So, um, I still feel grateful, but, uh, and I hope that it'll just keep getting better and better.
0: I, I hope so too. The body has really amazing healing powers. It, yeah, it, it it does. And the more I research stuff, and I just I just realize what an an incredible miracle um, our our healing capacities are. And just each of our cells, like all all of the interactions that are going on in our cells, it's just amazing. It's amazing, beautiful stuff is going on inside each of our bodies. And uh, and and if we if we get it back to a place where it can, where it can heal, it, it can heal.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, you know, um, I think I've kind of accidentally turned into a hippie through this experience because I am just very much like, you have to be present now and you have to, you know, I, I think very differently about like what I put into my body and like, um, uh, a lot more spiritual and, um, I, I care more a lot about um, thinking of my body as like kind of almost like a holy thing. I don't know how to describe it, but like I want to honor my body. Whereas before, I didn't really, I, I didn't really think of it that way. But I, I do think it's amazing that we're even here, and it, and I think that people can heal, and um, and I'm confident that that's what's going to happen for me, and for you know anybody that has this experience that. Um, really dedicates themselves to, to getting better. You know, I think that healing is possible for everybody, no matter how dire your situation is with this stuff.
0: So, Uh, Absolutely. And, and thank you for, for that message, even though you're, you're still very much in the, in, in the, the throes of a lot of your symptoms. I think that, that hearing that perspective is, is incredibly valuable and people just need to tell, to, to tell themselves over and over again and to hear it over and over again, that um, you, know, you will get better the body has incredible healing capacity and life, life can go on and you can keep on going and just everything that that you've shared with us today, like very much appreciated. Um, are there, are there some other things that you would, is there anything else you'd like to share with the, the audience? And.
1: Um, I mean, I just think that I'm, you know, um, I think that everybody should, you know, we are going through this, you can't compare yourself to anybody else. And you can't, I mean, I have a lot of symptoms that, you know, a lot of people don't have with this stuff. And I don't know if it's related to the floxing or if it's related to just the aftermath of things the floxing did. And for a long time, I would read other people's stories and I'd get discouraged because, you know, there, there's people that recover completely in four months or whatever and, I would kind of set up a timeline in my head, like, well, you know, if I don't get better in this amount of time, there's no hope. And I kind of had to stop doing that. You know, I ha- I kind of had to stop like putting a, a deadline on my healing, you know, because it was robbing me of joy in my life in the moment today. And I think that that's something that people need to do for themselves when they get poisoned by the antibiotics. You can't compare yourself to other people and how they get better. And you can't compare yourself to how you were before this happened because it's gonna change you. Like that's just a fact. You can't go through through something like this and have it not change you. Um, And that's not, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. And you just have to be patient with yourself and be nice to yourself and find joy where you can because that's how you get through this. Um, you have to take your joy back. You know, you can't let these horrible drugs rob you of anything more. You need to just, I, I guess, take the joy <laughs> where you can get it. That's that's what I'm going to say about that.
0: And, and I think that that's wonderful. And and very
1: much appreciated. So,
0: um, thank you so much for being on the Foxy Hope podcast, Ariel. I really appreciate it. All of your all of your wisdom, all of your insight, um, truly gave me chills several several times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and I think that that your kind of parting advice of of taking your joy back is is something that I, I hope everyone who's listening to this does that. Just When you're done with this podcast, just do something to take your joy back. Um, If that's going out and looking at birds or watching a funny movie or, um, I don't know, eating something that you that you love or listening to great music or or visualizing dancing if you can't actually dance or just do (laughs) do something that you that you that you love and something to reclaim your joy and I think that that is beautiful and wonderful advice so um I appreciate it very much and thank you so much for your time Ariel and Everyone have a wonderful evening and do something joyful. (laughs) Goodbye.